Welcome to the Keep Moving Pod with Dr. Sam Oltman. Because the only way to keep moving is to keep moving. Hi there, Dr. Sam Oltman here, naturopathic physician, regenerative medicine specialist, musculoskeletal ultrasound expert, and foot health guru on the Keep Moving Pod, talking to you about health and all things related to keeping you moving. Welcome to the Keep Moving Pod, episode one. This is Dr. Sam Oltman. Uh, Episode one's just going to be an about me. We're going to use this Keep Moving Pod in general to answer common patient questions and go over interesting uh, specific topics all related to the goal of keeping you moving. So let's get into it. A little bit about me. I grew up in the Portland area in the suburbs. Um, a very loving family. I had a great childhood. Very fortunate and grateful for all of that. <clears throat> for all of that. And, you know, how I got into medicine was, you know, from a, from as early as I can remember, trying to answer the question of like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do with your life? Aside from just being a professional athlete, which, you know, when I was 12 would have been my answer. Um, you know, I was really focused on this idea of creating purpose out of work. You know, the, the idea as, as a, as the teenage me would have explained it was, you know, if you spend 40 hours a week or more working, um, you should really do everything you can to make that work both meaningful and enjoyable for you. What I didn't want to do was quote unquote work just for money, meaning, uh, do something I didn't like for a paycheck just to afford the things that I did want to do. Um, I identified as a teenager, just the, you know, at that point, theoretical value of a purpose-driven career, uh, where I could both enjoy what I do, be fulfilled by, uh, with what I do. And that really sort of quite naturally led into medicine. Um, I'd always been very good at, you know, academics school for me was always maybe not easy, but I always did well in school at a 4.0 in high school. Um, so, you know, medicine sort of became kind of top of the list and with the, with those criteria. So I ended up going to Oregon state, uh, for undergrad after high school. Uh, I really, I would have gone to, I would have gone somewhere else. I, I like a lot of 18 year olds wanted to leave home and, and get out and go somewhere. Uh, but I was offered a position on the Oregon state football team, which, uh, you know, as a walk on wide receiver, uh, but walk on meaning I didn't have a scholarship, but that opportunity when it arrived was too good to pass up, um, to play division one, uh, big time football. So, I ended up going to Oregon state because of football. Um, and I ended up just really being lucky that Oregon state also happened to be, or ended up being a really good place for me to be, uh, academically. And we'll kind of get there. So, uh, I played football for two, two and a half years. Um, I was a walk on, like I said, which means you don't, you're not on scholarship. Um, I played wide receiver and, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, bottom of the depth chart. It was, you know, that was kind of, uh, my limit of, of skill, but I did, uh, you know, contribute. I was, uh, I was voted 
by my teammates as scout team player of the year, my second year, which is scout team is the group of players that practices against the starting defense to get them prepared for the week. And so it was those guys, um, you know, half of whom had long NFL careers who voted me as uh, the best player that they sort of went against on a daily basis. So that's something I'm really proud of. You know, ultimately it's a small thing in the scheme of things, um, but it meant a lot that it was voted by teammates. Um, and then, you know, to wrap up my football career, I did have one reception. Um, I got in uh, during garbage time against Utah in 2007. I have one reception for negative one yards. Uh, got hit on a bubble screen. So anyway, that's my football career, but that's how I ended up at Oregon State. So like I said, it ended up being a really good place for me to go academically. The pre-med track at Oregon State is excellent. Uh, Oregon State has really good life sciences programs. Uh, Linus Pauling, Nobel Prize winner uh, as an Oregon State alumni. So uh, doing the pre-med track there, I originally um, was interested in sports medicine. My major was exercise and sports science. And because I was playing football my first two years, my really primarily exposure to medicine was, you know, orthopedic, uh, an orthopedic surgery. So I shadowed the Oregon state team doctor an orthopedic surgeon, um, and some other, um, sort of similar physicians at the time. But as I, um, as I explored more of medicine and as I actually decided to, to quit football, which when I stopped playing football, the decision was really sort of it taking up so much of my time, not being on scholarship, really giving a lot of emotion and effort and, and, you know, not getting the, um, any sort of, um, you know, sort of advantage as far as, you know, free school or anything like that. But it was also a shifting in my passion, uh, where, uh, I, I, you know, by halfway through college, I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to become a doctor. So I really wanted to spend my time sort of getting as much as I could out of schooling. Cause I probably could have stayed on the team, you know, maybe I've gotten a scholarship in my last year, played some special teams, which would have been fine. A lot of people do that. I, 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 there's part of me that regrets not sticking with it, but I was very certain that medicine was where I wanted to go. And I didn't want to have to spend, you know, a fifth year um, to graduate because if I would have kept playing football, there would have been classes I couldn't have taken. So, um, just decided to shift and go all in on medicine. And it was around that time that I started to exploring, you know, sort of non-surgical stuff, uh, particularly family medicine, primary care and global health. Um, I took uh, several different classes on ethics and global health. There's a, b- a book we read in a medical anthropology class called pathologies of power by Paul Farmer that really uh, opened up a whole new world for me. And so my second half at Oregon State, you know, junior and senior year, I really didn't know what naturopathic medicine was yet, um, but I really was focused on um, sort of uh, general medicine, family medicine through a global health lens. And that's really sort of hearkening back to that sort of original interest in medicine is really where I thought there was like kind of this great sense of, of purpose and ethical, um, uh, drive behind, you know, serving, you know, underserved communities across the world. So, um, I finished up at Oregon state. I did a, in a medical internship in South America after graduation where I stayed with homestay families, 
uh, took Spanish classes and shadowed local doctors in Ecuador and Bolivia for a little over three months or about three months um, the fall after I graduated Oregon State. And that was really, you know, for twofold, gave me a lot of medical experience, but also got me sort of a little taste of that kind of global health serving, in this case, you know, communities in the rainforest, communities in the Andes, um, rural communities, urban communities. Um, We were doing public health things. I I spent several nights in the Amazon with a tribe. Um, And so it it was a nice sort of little introduction. I became fluent in Spanish over that time, you know, staying with homestay families and being immersed um, really, really, helps in that effort. So that was an amazing experience. And it was when I came home from South America, um, that I, I was working as a nursing assistant in a memory care unit. So I was a nursing assistant for, um, patients with dementia and Alzheimer's. And that really sort of furthered my thinking that, you know, prevention and health as a goal was the antidote antidote to disease as opposed to, um, medicine per se, meaning like pharmaceuticals. So, um, and then it was also during this time that I found out about naturopathic medicine. I was, I took the MCATs, was applying to, you know, OHSU and UW and Minnesota and Vermont and, you know, big, um, MD med schools. And during that whole process, coming back from South America, working as a nursing assistant with dementia patients and applying to medical schools that I found out about naturopathic medicine. And it immediately just struck me as exactly the kind of doctor that I wanted to be from a philosophical perspective, especially, um, I'm a very, you know, I, I, well, when I was younger, especially I was very philosophically minded, um, meaning, you know, the, the kind of not what you do, but why you do it, so to speak. And I stay on, I still am like that. Um, I would say much more, you know, kind of pragmatic about it now. But when I found about naturopathic medicine, it just made sense. Every, everything about it was what I wanted to do. It also made sense for me within the global health lens that I was still very much interested in as far as prevention, um, prevention, education, treating the whole person, um, healing power of nature, all of these things really, really resonated with me. And there were things that I believed in and felt to be true even before I recognize that naturopathic medicine was a formalized uh, degree and training program. So I get into naturopathic school in Portland. Um, The summer between my first and second year, I go back, you know, kind of doubling down on the global health pursuit. Um, Summer between first and second year in naturopathic school, I went to Nicaragua for nine weeks. Um, Again, stayed with a homestay family, interned at a naturopathic clinic on the island, uh, Isla de Ometepe, uh, in Nicaragua in a rural community, little different than South America, um, as, as far as format, but very similar just as far as, you know, homestay families and which is amazing. I can't say enough about that. It's hard to do when you're older. Um, but as a 20 something you know, being with homestay families and just like fully jumping in the deep end and seeing if you can swim, um, really an amazing experience. So did that for nine weeks in Nicaragua, interned for the nonprofit that operates down there in Nicaragua and the, the sort of nonprofit operations also gave me a lot of experience in how 
you know, global health nonprofits have to have to function, you know, have to seek donations. They have to, you know, sort of show their work uh, as far as this is the good that we're doing with your money. And ultimately, it was by the end of that trip that I that I basically became largely disillusioned with the pursuit in general, not because I personally didn't want to do it. It was still romantic to me to be in different countries and, you know, sort of be the doctor or, you know, be part of a healthcare um, uh you know, sort of field that helps really the the people most in need in the world. But what I became disillusioned about was the larger factors of how poverty happens and the idea that, you know, a lot of times, or I would, I would argue most of the time, health consequences, negative health consequences um, that we suffer from both in the modernized or Western world and in the global South are are societal political problems that have health consequences meaning you know people don't have people largely don't have poor health outcomes in these uh in these uh, underserved communities because of a because of a shortage of doctors uh necessarily and i think that that piece of it for me really helped it really kind of caused me to pivot be like, you know, it's the, it's the, do we want to be catching people as they fall off the waterfall or do we want to, you know, move further upstream and try to, you know, get them out of the, of the river before, before they're even near the waterfall. So the second thing was kind of dealing with what's called the white savior complex, which I don't think I ever had, but I'm very wary of, um, the idea or the perception that, you know, like, uh, well-off white people flying into uh, poor countries with predominantly brown people and saying like, you know, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to save you all from, from X, Y, and Z. And I think that's a model that I think is, I think gained some traction, but really, really the, the flipping that on its head is the model of empowerment. And, you know, really we need to work on the political and societal causes of global inequities as opposed to just um you know having them be having the inequities be perpetuated and then have uh you know western doctors fly in to save the day and so none of those things are absolutes that's how i that's how i perceived things it it definitely gave me pause as far as you know is this is this what i want to do or is this really the best way to make the most change with my life so that was uh nicaragua i finished out my um, my summer there continued in naturopathic school, still doing global health work, but kind of thinking like, you know, either how can I do it better or what's, you know, sort of a, a route through again, always kind of anchored to like, how can I, you know, make the most meaning out of my work? So it was also during naturopathic school that I found Vipassana meditation. Uh, Vipassana meditation is the Buddhist technique that, um, sort of modern or current times uh, mindfulness meditation is based off of. And it was during my time as a student that I started doing 10 day silent Vipassana retreats, which are totally free. You can do them at the Northwest Vipassana center. Um, there's one, you know, an hour and a half from Portland. They're all over the country, but they're 10 day long retreats uh, where you do not speak and you meditate for 10 or 11 hours a day uh, for 10 days in a row. 
Um, there's some guidance provided, but it's primarily sort of learning a technique and then running with it um, and doing it day after day, hour after hour. And it was one of the most formative things I've ever done. Uh, I think it's permanently changed my brain for the better. Um, and I think it, it allowed me, and I think it allows people who do it to reach a depth and sort of catalytic stage of cognitive development uh, that doing your sort of 15 to 30 minute meditation a day is just impossible to, to reach. And so while, you know, meditating at all, doing relaxation exercises is great. I really found that during that time, doing 10 days of silence um, is, is, is unparalleled as far as the changes that it can have um, positively in your life. So that was been that's that's been a big part of who I am and, and sort of as a good example of the intersection that I've always found between the things that I do to make myself a better person and for me personally to live a better life um, while also being things that make me a better doctor. Um, and I, I find that there's a lot of, and really maybe most things, uh, sort of intersect there. And there's, you know, again, a a thing I appreciate about naturopathic medicine is the emphasis on, you know, what would be termed like doctor heal thyself, meaning the self-development, um, both, you know, for, for personal reasons is also development of your, your, effectiveness as a doctor, um, and as a healthcare provider, right? So your ability to cultivate compassion personally, right, will help your relationships, help your, um, interactions with family and loved ones, but it will also help your interactions with patients. Um, and so those sort of, I've always enjoyed that about medicine that, you know, it's really a, a, it's really a, an example or an externalization of who I am. Um, and when, you know, when I see my patients, I'm not, uh, you know, to a small extent, we're all kind of putting on a role. Like I'm, I'm being, you know, the professional doctor role, but it is really me and everything that I'm doing in my personal life to, to be, um, to live a better life, whether it's exercise or meditation or, or rest or self forgiveness, I think all translates into me providing better care. So, I finish up naturopathic school. Um, I get into a residency that was, you know, highly competitive um, because in naturopathic medicine there are residencies, accredited, you know, sort of nationally accredited residency programs, but there aren't nearly enough for every graduate, and so there's limited spots. And uh, to get one is is a pretty big deal. So um, because most people don't get one, so I got a, a residency doing family medicine. <clears throat> Because even with my lack or sort of waning interest in global health, I was still really focused on primary care and family medicine. I mean, that's really what naturopathic medicine shines at as sort of like a, a, a holistic framework. So uh, I got a residency at Grain Integrative Health in Southeast Portland. We do we did family medicine. I was there for two years. I saw thousands of patients and got really just an immense amount of broad experience. I saw old people, babies, middle-aged people, acute issues, chronic issues, really everything and everything. I just got tons of experience. And I think that's, that was a really important informative time for me, not because it gave me any specific 
content-based expertise with what I do now in regenerative medicine, but because it got me in front of patients and it gave me a really solid, broad-based foundation to build everything else upon that I do now. So it was toward the end of that residency that I started um, trying to figure out sort of what the next move was. One of the things that occurred to me during that residency was that insurance-based medicine is completely broken and dysfunctional and that I didn't feel like I had the, the, the emotional and psychological stamina to put up with um, sort of an insurance-based reimbursement practice for my career because I really felt like it, it ends up in many ways hindering the care that's being able to be delivered. So, and, and as an aside, just bless the people who do, do that. It is necessary. Um, it was, you know, obviously a, a personal decision for me. Um, but that was a big part of my decision was what can we, what can I do that sort of sidesteps being, you know, dictated to by insurance companies, what I can and can't do. And so it came really background full circle to my beginning in medicine, which was sports medicine. It was, it was, it's always been my primary sort of area of knowledge. It's what I studied completely in, in, in at Oregon state. And so injection therapy training came out of that because ultimately, you know, coming back to kind of a purpose driven career choice, uh, in the name of this podcast is that sports medicine and orthopedics uh, is addressing the root cause of movement as medicine and keeping people moving was when I did primary care, one of the main barriers that people had, whether you had, you know, an acute illness or diabetes, it was the ability to move and exercise that was often a hindrance. So helping people uh, to continue in that direction was really important to me. I got two different jobs um, at two different clinics when I, as I was finishing my residency, one was a regenerative medicine clinic and the other was a foot and ankle uh, podiatry clinic. And so with those two, I was both, I was doing sports medicine at both, um, different enough that they worked well together. Um, And I spent six years at each of them, really kind of building up my experience um, and developing um, an immense amount of expertise, both in head to toe orthopedics and regenerative injection therapies, as well as foot and ankle health, uh, both of which is really what I do now. Also during that time, I was able to earn my RMSK credential, which is registered in musculoskeletal ultrasound, which is an expert level credential, uh, signifying a, a really high competency level in uh, musculoskeletal or orthopedic ultrasound diagnosis and image guided Um, injections. And so that really naturally leads into my current practice at Cascade Regenerative Medicine, which I started in May of 2023. And really the pillars of of what I do there are regenerative injection therapies uh, with orthobiologics such as PRP, platelet-rich plasma, and MFAT, which is type of adipose-derived stem cells. I do so the regenerative injection therapies is number one. Number two is uh, musculoskeletal ultrasound. So that's both diagnosis and image guided uh, procedures. So uh, ultrasound can be uh, for many conditions more accurate than MRI. So I do diagnostic ultrasounds, you know, from for anything from from Achilles to tennis elbow, um, rotator cuff, and then. Um, 
also ultrasound guided procedures, which doesn't mean just regenerative stuff. I do cortisone injections and I would argue I do cortisone injections better than most MDs. Um, given that we're doing that, I'm doing them extraordinarily, uh, precise and at a level that I think, uh, when I've had patients that have had both done, um, is, is very obvious as far as, um, even just numbing up the area properly, doing it ultrasound guided. Um, and then the third pillar is foot and foot and ankle health. So we have regenerative injection therapies, musculoskeletal ultrasound and foot and ankle health as sort of the three pillars of my current practice, cascade regenerative medicine. Um, and that's what we've been doing since May. Um, that's how I got here. Uh, that's what we're doing now. And a little bit more about me personally, my personal movement practice at this point mainly consists of strength training. I have a little very simple home gym that I'm using in the mornings a few times a week. Um, and I have a row machine, so I'm rowing and lifting um, primarily as sort of my like daily or not daily, but you know, um, sort of regular stimulus, um, sort of mental health release, um, staying fit. Um, I walk quite a bit with my dog and my son. And um, I used to run. I don't run anymore because of a hip issue. I may uh, have a whole episode uh, kind of going more in depth um, into my sort of personal journey with that. Um, so that's kind of, and then I sprinkle in some yoga, um, in there as well. So stay, stay pretty active on a regular basis. And then my, um, sort of less exercise, more just hobbies include, um, I, I fly fish, um, and swim in the river <laughs> that I'm fly fishing in, in the you know spring and summer. Um, I really like being in and around water. Um, so fly fishing's, uh, what I try to do mostly in the summer, which, um, you know, kind of goes along with camping and, and just getting outdoors, which is great. And then in the winter, um, I really love skiing. So I do downhill and cross country skiing, uh, both. Um, so that's, that's, you know, kind of an overview of kind of my personal, you know, what I do to keep moving. Um, I am married to a beautiful woman named Sarah. We got married, uh, last year in the summer of 2022. We've, adopted a uh, dog, a pit bull mix named Penny, who's uh, can be a lot to handle, but is a lovely, <laughs> lovely companion. And then we had our first uh, child, a son, two months ago. Um, we named him Geo, uh, George, but Geo for short. And um, so, yeah, we have a, we have a really lovely growing family starting to practice and having a kid in the same year has been very, uh, very energizing. Um, and yeah, a lot of growth. Life is very full, um, full of love and, and, um, really couldn't be happier and, and more excited about what the future has to come. So, uh, there we have it. Episode one, that's a little bit more about me. Hopefully you have a sense of who I am and hopefully kind of how I approach patients, my personality. Um, so, uh, more to come on the keep moving pod. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you are curious to learn more 
please visit our website at cascaderegenmed.com. You can follow us on Instagram at cascade underscore regen underscore med. And you can schedule with us today. If you or anyone you know has uh, joint pain, arthritis, sports injuries, we'd be happy to answer your questions and help you out. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you in the next episode.